In this episode, I spoke to Bianca Wolwick, a self-proclaimed jack-of-all-trades digital marketing professional turned podcaster. We dove into everything from Bianca's run-in with Demi Lovato, the state of social media in 2021, and why you should definitely own a Peloton bike. Bianca is a fantastic conversationalist and hosts her own podcast, Please Don't Kick Me Out, all about imposter syndrome. So do yourself a favor and please go and check this out when you're done listening. Links in the show notes. All right, let's get to it. You are listening to In Your Element where we uncover stories, thoughts, and ideas dedicated to helping you find your own element. Let's dive right in. I hope you enjoy the show. So, hello everyone. I am here today with Bianca Wolwick, who is sat, well, across from me, virtually speaking. And <laughs> I'm really excited to have her on the show. And um, Bianca, why don't you give an introduction as to kind of who you are and what you do? Yeah, well, my name is Bianca Woolwick. Um, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited, honored to always be a guest on all sorts of podcasts. It's always such a trip for me. But uh, I live in San Diego, California. I am a former marketer turned content creator. I uh, have a podcast. Um, and I've been doing that for the last year since my since the pandemic. My job let, let me go, and I started a podcast, which is kind of bizarre. But you know, we we're kind of talking before we hit record about things we're doing in the pandemic, just how we're bettering ourselves. And um, I'd mentioned I just got roller skates, but anyway, to go back to it, I'm also a military spouse. My husband's in the U.S. Navy, and um, I have a really cute cavalier named Bourdain. But basically, the premise of my life and my career is that I was in marketing, and now I just talk into a microphone for a living. <laughs> awesome and, and just kind of curious but the portrait the behind you is that of um of Bourdain I think you mentioned no no uh so this I actually got so for your listeners because of course it's a podcast is a medium for your ears um there is a giant photo of a, tri- a painting of a tricolor cavalier and uh it's not my dog it's I think it might be someone's dog that passed away but it was in a consignment store and I my friend was shopping with her mom this summer and saw it and was like you have to come buy this and then my friend was visiting me um in September and she's like we should just go get it like why have you thought to not get it and it was on on sale for 70 bucks and I bought it. Um, but he doesn't have both of the, uh, the natural. So tricolors have the brown eyebrows. He only has one instead of both. So it's not him, but I love Cavaliers and like everything about them. So I'm a little bit of an obsessed dog mom. <laughs> well, he's really, really cute. Um, so I must say so. Um, so Bianca, you know, one thing that really struck me about you was you've done a lot of really interesting things and you've had a lot of really interesting things happen to you or rather you've been a part of. Um, and I'd love to talk a little bit about that. So I think one of the things that um, I thought was really cool was that you actually um, you bumped into Demi Lovato once on a Lyft undercover ride. Um, I just I'm just really curious, like what was what was that like? Okay, so Lyft, <laughs> I used to take Lyfts to dates when I was dating in my 20s, and I took a lot of Lyft rides. I would lift myself there because I don't like to drink and drive, but no one should drink and drive. Um, and thankfully, uh, Lyft and Uber coincided with me being in my 20s and serving that purpose. So I took a lot of Lyft rides. I think I took more Lyft rides than there were in a year. So I was part of their founding members in Denver, um, helping it to get off the ground because Lyft and Uber were competing. This was like 2012 
and through 2016 was when that happened. So uh, I was asked to be part of a focus group because I was part of the founders and like not founders necessarily, but just like people who use it. And I had like a five-star Lyft review. And like, I used to use Lyft rides as like just places to bounce comedy off of. I'm like, oh, is this funny? Like, I wonder if it's funny and I'll test it. It's kind of like I use them as an open mic. And so I had really good ratings and they asked me to be part of this focus group. And I'd never seen that they've done undercover lift before. So I had no idea what I was doing. So they gave me, I took the day, I took a couple of hours off of work. They Ubered me or lift, sorry, excuse me, lifted me from my office, which is in Cherry Creek in Denver, um, about 15 miles away. Uh, and so I like, Oh, they gave me money to go there and back. Um, and it was like a hundred something dollars in my credit. And then uh, we were in this focus group, like talking about like, what features do you want for Lyft? And I'm none the wiser. They had me put a name tag on. They had me sign a waiver. I was like, okay. Like they're like, yeah, you'll be in like a video for like first time drivers. And I didn't think anything of it. And then I get a tap on the shoulder immediately because I have this kind of personality. That's very, um, you either love me or you hate me. It's very brash and I'm very like very loud. So, and I dress loud and that's just kind of me in general. And so they tapped me on the shoulder and they have me get in the lift and they said, get in the front seat, which I used to get in the front seat all the time, which people think is weird, but now I'm always in the back seat. Um, one COVID and two, I don't want to be murdered. So, uh, I, so I get in the car and I like, I realize it's her like immediately. And I'm like, Oh no, I'm about to be in a viral video. And I'm like, okay. And she, so she says her name's Samantha and she's, she, the whole time she's spouting lyrics to her, like lyrics to her song. She's like, oh, it's like a cool job for the summer. And I was like, ah, you know, try not like, don't say something stupid. And so anyway, yeah, at the end, she's like, I'm Demi Lovato. And I'm like, oh my God, I love you. And I still have the selfie on my phone to this day. And then my friend just messaged me, um, the story continues, but my friend just messaged me that, that they put it on TikTok not too long ago because Demi Lovato had come out as pansexual. So they put it on TikTok under Lyft's thing. So I'm in that TikTok now. So like Gen Z is like coming for me in the comments <laughs> just like, okay. But after that, I get an email and they say, Hey, like, thank you for being part of this video today. Like Demi Lovato would like to offer you tickets to the Nick Jonas and Demi Lovato concert. Would you like them? You can take a plus one. And I was like, yes, I would like that. So I get the tickets that they're at well call. And I'm thinking like, I'm going to be in like in the nosebleeds or like maybe a club suite or something, but I'm not going to be near the stage. I don't even recognize the number on these tickets. It says like, see something. I'm like, what, where is this? So I hand it and they're like, oh no, no, you're coming this way. And they walk me down onto the court, like and where the stage is. And I'm this far, like I'm literally an arm's length away from the stage, like in front of teen girls that clearly their parents had paid a lot of money for these tickets. And I screamed like a little girl, the entire concert. And it was so good. And she's so nice. She really is. So so that's something that happened to me. And as a marketer, I had to respect, respect the drip. Honestly, like I was, I was, I had never seen it and I was shocked. And so now I've never read the comments. I don't want to read them, but my name tags on. So people know who I am. <laughs> I think that's an amazing story. And the fact that you were aware that you were in a viral video, like you honestly couldn't tell, like watching it, it looked like you were generally like kind of clueless as to what was going on. Yeah. And the weirdest part was that like no one else in that video accepted the tickets. Like no one showed up. I was like, excuse me. Demi Lovato wants to give me tickets to a concert. What else am I doing on a school night? Like I will go. Why wouldn't you? When Demi Lovato offers you tickets, you go. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Wow. Um, and I think it's really interesting having this background in, um, you know, in marketing, like 
it's all I would say that's kind of almost like, you know, being a surgeon, like undergoing your own, you know, you know, being present in your own procedure that's happening to you. Like, what was that like? And have you used that experience to actually inform any of your like projects like going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny because my mom's like, you're not using your degree anymore. And I'm like, my degree is actually in journalism, uh, a double major in journalism and communications. And so for me, like after I've, I've, I've marketed for brands, I've done promotional mark, I've done pretty much everything you can do in the marketing world, including sales and all of that. Because when I graduated college, um, it was like intern forever for free and then get hired maybe one day, give me a job. And then one of my career was kind of like, it's very millennial at start and stop and I work at startups. So it's, I've done a lot of things, worked for a lot of different brands. I've been product side, I've, which means I call the shots. And I've also been um, on the uh, agency side, which means that the brand calls the shots. So I've kind of worked on all sorts of things. I've worked in advertising agencies, marketing, you name it, et cetera. And most recently I was a marketing director for a branch of a fortune 500 company and real estate sector, which sells title insurance. And so I've done all sorts of unsexy and somewhat sexy things throughout my career. So when it comes to like, maybe for instance, like marketing my podcast or myself, like I just do it like I would anything else as a brand. But the fact that I have ownership over it and do things 100% on my own. And like, I've basically, I've laid that groundwork. I've gotten where I needed to go. I feel very confident in anything that I decide to do because it's like, I know how to make it go where it needs to go and do the things and, and, and organically. Like I, I haven't spent any ad dollars on my podcast. So I just kind of think that, you know, with that background, especially with a creative background like that, you really can do anything you want to, you want to do with it, but also it's going to be part of whatever I do in the future. Marketing's always going to be there. Mm, I think that's really interesting. And, um, it's also really cool to see how now you're really just embracing the fact that you own the brand and you're really driving that. Would you say that um, feeling ownership over the brands that you work with um, is, I mean, I know you can't actually, you know, own a brand like Coca-Cola, but I think feeling a sense of ownership is a different thing. And do you think that's an important part of like marketing and being creative? I think so, because you have to understand, like when I was given a new client, like I would take maybe this isn't true to everyone, but I know I would live, breathe, eat, whatever that client, I would make sure that I understood them inside, outside, like what their wants, their needs, their hopes are. The issue though, when you're working at an agency and you're working on a brand is if, if you, if you, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Like if they want something specific. So like when I started doing, um, I started doing digital marketing, it was when we didn't know like what the return on investment was. We didn't know, like if we put something somewhere, what would happen? You know, I started doing, um, social media management when it was really in its infancy and we didn't, it, it, it was always a hard sell. Like brands were like, I don't want to be on social media. And I would always be like the piece at the end. They'd be like, well, she can like manage your page. And they'd be like, okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, but at the same time, like not having ownership, like you, when I say like you can bring a horse to water, what I mean is you can tell them what the best strategy is for their brand. But at the end of the day, they're going to pay for what they want, even if it's going to yield them zero results. And that was more frustrating for me than anything, because this was the time of like Pinterest and all these things. And it's like, you are a, like an example, you're an elevator company. Like, why do you need to be on Pinterest or like you're a CPAP machine? 
Like, why do you need to be on Pinterest? So just kind of not having my opinion like listened to at times because at the end of the day, they were going to pay for what they were going to pay for. Got kind of frustrating after a while. So that's why I prefer to work on the brand side of things. Totally. And, you know, you just reminded me of something that I saw a couple of years ago that's really stuck in my mind. Um, But I remember, you know, driving one day and seeing this um, this really large, this really large truck with this banner on the side that said like, like us on Facebook. And it was like an air conditioning company. And I thought they've spent like probably, you know, hundreds of like pounds, like getting this printed, like designed. Why would someone want to you know, visit a Facebook page for an air conditioning company. Like I'm going to be driving and think, oh my gosh, when I get home, the first thing I'm going to do is find that Facebook page because, oh my gosh, air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. But the thing is, is that this was back when we wouldn't do those things. But now content in the last year due to the pandemic, what I really found um, is that if it makes so much more sense, like if your brand is not, if you're a small business and you're not on Instagram and you're not using the reels feature, which is two times more viral than, um, than just doing the IGTV or doing just a regular static post, you're not going to get the business that you want. Like your customers are on TikTok, they're on Instagram. They're like, if that's your market, then that's where you need to be. Um, and so something I've been doing, cause I, I manage my dog's Facebook or Instagram page. I manage my, my podcasts and then I manage my own personal. And I try to flip between the three to highlight small businesses. So I'll take more, I never used to do this, but I'll take more video when I go out because I know the reels are more viral. So I don't know. It's just, it's, that's the way my brain works and not everyone's brain works that way, but, um, you're, you're right. Like not everyone needs to be on Facebook. I don't need to like your air conditioning page on Facebook, but it's good to be there because if I'm searching and I, you don't have a presence, then I'm probably not going to use your company. Totally. I think that's a really important point as well. Like if you don't have a presence on Facebook, um, then that could be kind of a warning sign, really. Um, I think my my gripe was more so like spending the money to grab people's attention to like your page when it's kind of like, mm. but like, you're totally right. If, I, if I'm if i looking for some kind of product or service and I'm like, mm, these guys are not on Facebook, that's a little bit of a red flag. And I can definitely see that. Um, and one of the things I'd love to get your thoughts on is just on this topic of digital media and marketing. How do you think the landscape has changed over the past couple of years that you've been working in the space? Yeah. Um, it's changed a lot. So in having the digital marketer hat or being like, I'm the digital marketing manager or the director or whatever that might be, um, it's changed a lot through ads. Like Facebook got in a lot of hot water for charging for ads and what they were doing, um, and the way you can target. And that got frustrating and hard for me because the algorithm was constantly changing and some, you know, you have to stay on top of it. Like if SEO changes, search engine optimization changes, if Google changes, their algorithm. So you have to stay on your toes and that can get so tiring. Um, so to be honest, the last year for me has been such a sigh of relief, not having to run ads or worry about things and just do my own thing. That's been nice. But the way I've seen it change in the last couple of years, at least working was there's strategies that we've ditched and there's strategies that we've adopted. And, um, when I started at the company I was working at, they had a 2.5 Yelp score. And I said, that's unacceptable. Let's raise it. So I knew how to do that. So I made sure that I got the negative reviews that were not about them removed. And then I, like, I made sure that we, you know, 
responded to everything, messaged old people, you know, messaged older clients that were unhappy, made sure that we were keeping those relationships alive, had our uh, sales team reach out to their contacts, have them leave reviews on behalf of them. And that raised our score to a 4.0. And so those were, that's something I knew how to do, but it's like things we're seeing, we're seeing, we're seeing things fall by the wayside as well. Like Pinterest is not as popular. Who's using Pinterest or, you know, Google plus went away. Um, and uh, we're also seeing that now LinkedIn is a stronger contender as a platform to use for businesses and branding, especially if you're on the B2B side. So there's been a lot of change, but for me personally, Facebook ads and advertising was hell on earth and I hated it. And so I'm so glad I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> well, and, and do you see any, uh, like other than LinkedIn, do you see any other upcoming platforms as real contenders and real, um, you know, have real potential? Yeah. When I was the last couple of years, Instagram has, has really grown. And um, because Instagram and Facebook are the same company now, essentially, they're a lot easier to work with. If you're on one, you can manage both. But I'm also seeing that TikTok is now becoming a brand strategy for a lot of companies. Um, and I have a I have a fair weather relationship with TikTok because no one can figure out their algorithm. Their algorithm is a mystery. You can put the dumbest video up. It can get a million likes. You can take time and curate your content and it's going to get zero likes. There's no yin or yang to the system. I have been so against and then so for and then against and then for TikTok. But now that it's owned, there's a, some North American company that now owns it. I feel more comfortable using it because when it was owned by like China or Russia or whatever, I was not comfortable with it. Um, but I, I made the TikTok for my dog. And he's not, Cavaliers are not like TikTok's algorithm. It's corgis. So, and it's, and that actually trends into Instagram as well. If you're a Cavalier lover, you're going to like my content, but you have to somehow, I have to somehow show up in your FYP or your For You page. So it's just, it's been interesting watching TikTok and how they do things and how people are creating. And I have somehow almost 2000 followers on TikTok. I don't know how that happens. I post the dumbest stuff, like, half the time I'm in like Guy Fieri drag, which is a celebrity chef in America. And, um, I just post really dumb stuff. I posted a video yesterday. Okay. Here's an example. I posted a video yesterday and it's an old video of me in 2019. Like I'm not pushing kids out of the way, but I'm in my thirties and I'm a Disney adult. You might've clocked it. I have stitch on my right bicep. I have like a Mickey on my wrist and stuff. So I've got tattoos and I love Disneyland, like Disneyland, Disney, Disney, all the stuff. And I, um, I'm obsessed with the characters. I don't know why I know it's people inside of the costumes, but anyway, I've got this video of me dancing at Mickey's put your ears on in Disneyland, which is like outside of, um, Tomorrowland. And it happened like it was Mickey's 90th birthday the year before. So they kept it going and you can dance with Pluto, Mickey, uh, I think it's Pluto, Mickey and Minnie. And I'm just straight vibing like the tallest person among like four-year-olds. And I put the text over it that I did text to speech. And it said, and it said, I'm not above my, I said my 30 plus year old ass, excuse me, is not above pushing children out of the way to dance with Mickey. And that has like 
600 views. It has like a ton of likes, so many comments. And then I post something that I like take the time to actually post and put together and it gets like 10 views. So anyway, what I'm saying to go back to it is I really think that um, video is going to be, it's video's always been what's been more viral and more engaging, but video moving forward is going to be even more meaningful and impactful than something static. Mm, totally and oh my gosh like your story about Disneyland that really brings me back in my um in my second my last year of of university or college um I decided at the very beginning of my of my first semester I decided yeah let's let's go to Disneyland let's book some flights to Paris and um let's let's do that and it was we did this like way before what we knew our workload was going to be like mm-hmm. and so it came it came to like you know that weekend and we're like oh should we really do this um we're all really the swamped. Yes. <laughs> yeah we, we did we did it um and it was hilarious because i was getting messages from people going to our like lectures and seminars saying oh my gosh like this i, I did computer science i'm a huge like mm-hmm. i'm a huge nerd um and they were like oh this this machine learning stuff is like really difficult i'm like i don't want to hear that i'm going on space mountain right now like <laughs> that is also Disneyland Paris yeah when was this this was in 2018 and okay so it's not too long ago yeah and yeah that's so funny it was it was an awesome experience and it really felt like I was a kid again because I'd been to Disneyland Paris in the past but mm-hmm. it was more than 10 years prior mm-hmm. so I recreated some of the pictures and it was like yeah it was an awesome experience so definitely recommend <gasps> Disneyland <laughs> Yeah, well, so news. Our, our governor has kept state, or sorry, Calif- the state of California closed up until this point, and now he's like, open all the things, and I'm like. <sighs> Okay, so we laid off how many people and what? So I, I they just listed the rides, but you have to be a California resident. But I have I have a military park hopper pass, which um, I have three more days left on because I went in January of last year, like not knowing what I knew, and being like, oh, like I'll come when I can. And then I got laid off, and then Disneyland shut right then, and I was like. I could have gone one more time. Like what? So um, I regret it. But right before the last time I went, I got to ride their newest ride, which is Rise of the Resistance, which is probably the greatest thing I've ever ridden. But I'm not a Star Wars fan. My husband is. My dad is. Um, You you mentioned being a computer geek. My dad's a hardware engineer. My husband's just a straight nerd. Uh, He does computer stuff for the Navy. So um, I I can't understand it. I'm Apple, all, all, all Apple products all day. I'm very simple, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So the thing about going to Disneyland is that the sense of wonderment and like you, I hadn't been to any Disney thing and forever. And then, um, I moved to San Diego and I was suddenly two hours away and I was like, yes. And then the military park hopper at the time is super good deal. It's like 255 bucks or so for four days of a pass. And it doesn't include parking, but my in-laws live right there. So I would just take an Uber or they drop me off and I wouldn't have to pay for park for parking. And I could just do what I wanted. And I went four times last year or sorry, four times in 2019 and one time in 2020. So I've gone five times and I've lived here two years. I'll be moving soon. So they're opening up, but I don't know if I'll be able to go. Whoa, that's, um, 
That is awesome. To be honest, if I lived that close to Disneyland, I would be going just as often, if not more frequently. So yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Um, Bianca, I want to shift gears a little bit because mm-hmm. there's something I'm really curious about, and that is uh, that is your podcast. Um, yeah. So you know, it's about imposter syndrome, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Like, what inspired you to start this podcast? Uh, getting fired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so the thing about imposter syndrome, or you know what, it, we'll take it back to the pandemic. So what inspired me to start this podcast? Well, I've always wanted to be a podcast guest. Like I, I've always been like, I'm funny. Like, why am I not the one having the commentary about the bachelor or RuPaul's drag race? Why is it not me? And the reason why was because I didn't even bother to try. And I produced a podcast for my work because my boss wanted to be like Joe Rogan or Gary Vee or something. And he was not any of those things, but I learned how to produce it because he wanted a podcast. Um, here's an example good to go back to a brand wanting something and me saying, probably not a good idea. And then them saying, we want it anyway. So, uh, so I started a podcast for him and then I knew how it worked. And I was also a radio DJ all through college and I have the gift of gab. So I started the podcast after getting laid off because I'd always wanted to start one. And it came to me kind of in a fever dream where I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, like the entire time I was, I've been working my entire career, I go into work every day and I'm like, gee, I hope no one fires me. I hope no one finds out. I have no idea what I'm doing. And when you take a step back, cause that's essentially imposter syndrome. When you take a step back, you realize like everyone else feels the same way. It's just this normalized thing that no one talks about that you go into a room, you look around, you go, God, everyone's smarter than me. Why am I here? Or you, you get cast onto something or you do something and you're like, I, I like, I'm scared. They're going to take it away from me. This accomplishment that's imposter syndrome. It's deeply rooted in self-esteem. It's also very human. It's also rooted in anxiety, but however, excuse me, however, it's normal. It's not part of, it's not a, it's not a disease. It's just a normal phenomenon. And it's one of those things that you'll, that I would always like, you know, go out, get happy hour after work. And I'd be talking to friends and I'd be like, man, I just, you know, I, I just don't know if like, they're going to figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing. And then someone more tenured than you, who you think has it all figured out, they say the same thing. So it's just, it's a normal feeling. Uh, so that's what the podcast is about. And it sounds way more boring when I say that, but I ask these questions, um, for, I started out interviewing my friends and I asked that I have the same format. I ask the same questions every week. And the questions are, do you have it all figured out? Do you feel like you fit in, suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? So they give me their definition. And then what does success, uh, what does success mean to you? And do you feel successful? So they're defining. So first of all, the answer to the, the first question is always no. Like, I don't feel like I have it all figured out because who does, right? And then their example of how imposter syndrome has impacted their life. We've had, I've had stories from people transitioning their gender. I've had stories from LGBTQIA+. I've had stories of, you know, being a person, a minority, um, all sorts of different stories and everyone defines it differently. So it's really beautiful to kind of hear how it impacts people. Like at the time of recording this, my friend Courtney, who is a trans drag performer, uh, who's trans currently transitioning, her podcast came out this week and, um, like it was really well received by the San Diego uh, community. So these stories are helping people feel more normal and realize that like, it's okay to like, just kind of feel like you're fumbling your way through life because like, so are we. And yeah, so that's kind of my podcast in a nutshell. I think that's, that's awesome. And something that I've, I've noticed as well, you know, some of the most, 
some of the people that I that seem like they've got it the most figured out, they go through the same the same feelings, the same issues, and it's only after getting close to these kind of people that I realized and I noticed um, that we all kind of struggle with it. And one thing I'd be really curious to know is. What are some of the more interesting definitions that you've come across or examples? Yeah, uh, someone that I really admire is my friend Gregory Arlt, who is a, um, he considers himself the beauty exorcist. He's also uh, a celebrity makeup artist um, in what basically Gwen Stefani's main one. Uh, he's lovely. I met him through playing uh, drag bingo with Charlie Hydes, which is a, something I've done virtually as a community for the last six to nine months. Um, but the way he defined it felt very um it came from like a wise place because he's older and just kind of how in his past like how he's like not really been able to he was a lot less sure of himself and now that he knows he is someone he's able to combat it and and that kind of definition really struck me but then also people's ways they've combated it has been really impactful but for me what i've realized and this is something that I've found as like a theme over the last year is that a lot of the stuff boils down to doing things authentic to yourself. And if you're not like, that's where it seeps in. So if you are changing yourself to fit in or wearing a mask or something, um, so to speak, that's when it really seeps in because you know that you're doing these things that go against your grain. And um, the the real people who I feel like have combated it and found true positivity are those who took a step back and were like, this isn't serving me. Like, I don't like this. So like, I need to do what I need to do for my authentic self. And so that's kind of where the definitions really are, are more striking, I think. Whoa. And, you know, this is something that I've I've also struggled with quite a bit, but I'm not sure if what I've been feeling is really you can classify as imposter syndrome. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Over the past couple of years, I've constantly struggled with this feeling that I was a better person like a couple of years ago. And it's really, it's really strange. Um, but I keep thinking that the me of two or three years ago was like better, more hardworking, um, more capable. But I've been feeling that for more than just two or three years. Um, and I'm curious, is that what you would classify as a kind of imposter syndrome or am I, is this something else? Call 911. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a good question. Um, I think it's, I think it's a normal thing. How old are you? I'm, I'm just 23. Okay. Mm. So when I was in my twenties, I think I, your twenties are a weird time because you are finding yourself. You're suddenly now an adult with adult money. If you've gone, you know, you're getting into a job, you're figuring life out. And there's this level, like for me, at least when I realized like, Oh, I go to my job and then I come home and that's all I do. And then I die. Like that was very depressing. And I think I had a lot more, I was a lot more like bright eyed and bushy tailed when I was in my younger twenties. And then it just kind of broke me down over my twenties as I was working in a career. Um, but I think it's normal to look back and wonder like if you had made a different decision or if you like to look back and say like, Oh, in university, I was such a hard worker. Like I did so many things that 
I'm not doing now. I don't know if it's necessarily imposter syndrome, um, unless you are adding that to your, to your thoughts and being like, because I'm not as hardworking now, they're going to find out and take it from me. Then that's when that's kind of imposter syndrome where it's like, oh no, like they're going to find out that the me of two, two, three years ago was a lot harder of a worker than me now. Um, that's kind of imposter syndrome, but to, to, to be honest, what you feel is completely normal. Um, I, it's, it, I would do a lot of, I did, did a lot of self-reflecting as I turned 30 I'm now 32 in June. And I think I've become a lot kinder to myself now, like a lot more forgiving, a lot more, uh, graceful and a lot, I, I just practice a lot more gratitude towards myself because even though, at, you know, uh, starting out and being a marketing director and all of that, even though that didn't pan out forever, one, a pandemic and two, it was probably not the company I should have been at. However, I'm proud of what I did. It's easy for me to look at that and go, I'm a failure, right? I just ditched a whole career. And now I'm like, I make maybe pennies an episode. And, um, you know, I, I, that's, that's, that's me being a failure. Instead, I look at it and I go, that was a great stepping stone. This career really, was great. I learned a lot, but I want to be someone, I want to do things that make a difference in the world. And that's what this taught me is I don't need to be working for a brand that sells title insurance. I can do something that helps the community. So I'm a huge ally and advocate for the LGBTQIA plus community. I'm a very strong ally for them. And um, I'm huge into social injustice. I took the last year to train myself about systemic racism and train myself on the right conversations. I've used my podcast as a platform. So I want to do things that make a difference. And I don't want to sit idly back and be quiet because I'm working for a brand that won't accept that. So for me, I do a lot of self-reflect. I did a lot of self-reflection in the last year and came to terms and peace with the fact that I was no longer in the corporate world. Mm, I think that's a really interesting, really interesting story there. And, you know, one thing I'd love to get your thoughts on is after spending, you know, this whole year just really focused in, dedicated to like just doing mm -hmm. your thing, you know, like um, owning your brand, doing your podcast, like what what are some of the things that you've learned over this past year? Yeah, uh, I think this year has been a great pause for a lot of people, myself included. I would never take the time for myself. Like I was like, I know I need to be in therapy to work on maybe some trauma that I had as a child. However, I don't have the time because I'm working nine to five and I don't want to spend my weekend talking about the past. So I finally had time to get the diagnosis. I became, di I finally got an official diagnosis of, of adult or adult, adult ADHD. I've had it my whole life. My life suddenly made sense. I was like, Oh my gosh, like school would have been so much easier. Things would have been so much better. Had I known this, I probably wouldn't have been as depressed and whatnot. And then combining that with therapy was really helpful. So I did a lot of work on my mental health. Um, my husband also deployed and I learned a lot about resilient resiliency and truly being alone. And there was a lot of things that I've had to do in the last year that I wouldn't have done otherwise. So I am, you know, I'm now someone that can get things done without having to feel like I need an adult, even though I'm an adult. So I, I think like it's taught me, it's taught me so much more resilient resiliency. It's also taught me, it's also helped me trim the fat. I'm a person that has, you know, I, I, I'm very much a networker for people. And if you do right by me, I'm very loyal to you. But if you don't, then I'm, then I, if you can't, I will cancel you. Um, 
And that's just the way I am. I'm very loyal to a fault sometimes, but it's helped me realize like some people just aren't meant to be my friends and that's okay. I don't need them in my life. Um, so people have kind of come and gone, uh, over this last year. And it's also taught me, um, a great deal about just creativity. Cause it's like, we had all this time and if you weren't using it correctly, like what, what are you doing? And for me, I just wanted to be part of the positivity. I didn't want to be part of the negativity. So I think I just taken this year to just really learn a lot about myself and self-reflection. And, you know, I feel even though my husband's been gone for the last nine or so months, uh, our, our marriage has never been stronger. Our communication's never been better. And um, I'm really excited to have him come back because I think that the me that he left was un, a little bit unsure of myself in September. And the me he's coming back to is a person that he knows me as like, he sees me as me. And now I'm living as me every single day. And I don't apologize for it. I am who I am. And if you don't like it, then sorry. <laughs> wow. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this past year is just seeing how many people have done a very similar thing and they've focused on, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to unleash my creativity. I'm going to start working on myself. I'm going to use this time. Well, really, I think you mentioned it. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's a pause, right? This, this entire year has been like a bit of a pause. And I feel like it's probably one of the few opportunities we'll ever really have where everyone feels the same way. Like we've all kind of just gone on mm-hmm. pause for a bit, right? You know, we've got such a hectic lifestyle that we all lead. Everything's moving at like a gazillion miles an hour. Um, and, you know, we've all just had some really, a real decent stretch of time to just chill out for a second. Look at yeah. what's important and kind of work on ourselves. And I think, you know, for me personally, one of the things that I've really tried to focus on over the past year is just like my health. Um, I've mm-hmm. thought, you know, I just really want to, double down on that. I want to make sure that, you know, I feel like someone should feel in their twenties. Um, I struggled with a lot of chronic fatigue the past couple of years. And Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, this is the year I'm going to make health priority numero uno. Um, and you know, I think it's been a real blessing in that sense to have that pause where you don't feel like you need to be doing all of these things because no one is like, you can't be doing like you know you're not going to be like traveling to the other side of the world right now and like you know unfortunately you can't be going to disneyland at this at, at this point in in france or, or whatnot they're all in lockdown so take that time to just kind of work on yourself and see what's important so i really i really like that um yeah yeah absolutely and i think that's so awesome that you worked on your health i mean for me like a lot of people like gained weight in the pandemic and i lost 30 pounds so i was like you know i i mean i have a peloton bike so i that was a great investment and it's funny i remember when i we got it and then i was i started work at my last company and because i just moved to san diego and i got the job and then i was working and i remember people be like oh like you have that peloton bike oh i could never i like my gym membership those same people hit me up when the pandemic happened and the gyms closed and they were like, do you have that referral code? Uh, and now everyone has a Peloton bike, at least in the United States, it feels like, but, uh, but I love that thing. I've had it for three years and I just, I, if I'm anxious or I'm having a bad day, I just get on. I was never a person that liked to exercise. I was never a person that enjoyed it. And now like yesterday, I think I rode for like two hours because I wanted to hit a milestone of 1800 rides. And I was like, well, I'm like, 
17 away. I can hit that by 2 PM. And I did. And then I wrote another 30 minutes. I was like, man, like me three years ago, I would have never believed that one, this pandemic happened or two that I could do that. I was capable of it. So. Wow. Go you, go you. I love that. (laughs) Um, and you know, like that's another thing that I've really liked about this pandemic that I was, um, I didn't feel like I could live without the gym. (laughs) Um, and it was quite freeing to be able to not have like that, you know, not have the gym and then still feel like I could be healthy and I could, you know, exercise and feel well and like find other ways and and try new things as well. Like I've gotten really into like dance and and hip hop and um, running. I've like grown this passion for running and just like learning to use my body in like different ways. And I think that's been quite, quite freeing as well. And I also think it's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite interesting how, how how much you like Peloton. I think it's something you actually mentioned on, on your website. Like I'm a huge fan of, of Peloton bikes. Um, and I wanted to oh, ask yeah. you about that. I think that's amazing. Yeah. So I didn't, like I just mentioned, I did not like working out. My husband, this is going to sound like weird. So I'm just going to preface this by saying this was not his intention. So don't take it that way. My husband and I met each other. I was 27. He was 29. He turned 30. I turned 28 and we got married the year we met. Um, We've been together for four years now, almost. Well, four years dating and then we'll be married for four years in October. So he, he and I like found each other, knew we were each other's soulmates, like knew, like knew it was the one that was good. So we gained the happy pounds, you know, where it's just like, I was happy and content and didn't really worry about it. So I gained more, a lot of, I was already kind of heavy when I met him. And then I I gained more weight, which is unhealthy for me. And, uh, he likes going to do CrossFit. Like he found something he enjoys doing, which is CrossFit. And I, he's, and he's always been super active, more active than me. Um, or at least now I'm more active than him. (laughs) Ha ha pot called kettle black. But, uh, so he, he was like, I will go, he's like, he's like, I know that you're self-conscious about this, but you need to do something. You need to find something that you like doing because like, you can't just like be upset about it. And I was like, okay. So he went with me to this place called fit 36 in Denver when we lived there and it's a circuit training thing. And so you spend like, it's a high intensity circuit. So you spend like one minute at each station and you do the stations twice. And so you rotate and I, I, tried it and I was like, um, yeah, I'm into it. So I signed up for a membership and I would go about five times a week. And that was so helpful in gaining muscle and losing, I didn't lose a ton of weight with it, but it was just more like getting the basics down for me and getting back into the gym. Cause I used to go to the gym in my early twenties, but, um, and I used to weightlift and stuff, but I just stopped. And so finally like getting back in there, I just, felt, it felt good to like finally have a routine and I enjoyed it. But then in January, uh, so that was in July. And then in January, I, they had a circuit where there was monkey bars. And the first time I hit the monkey bars, I, I went all the way across and I was like, awesome. Like I did it. The second time I went to that station, I ended up pulling something in my right shoulder and I was like, Ooh, I'm in a lot of pain. And so I took some time off and around that same time, Scott, it's also barefoot by the way, this gym. So Scott had gone with me. He's very flat footed and he had jumped off a box and like 
he thinks he like broke his foot a little bit. So I, so we were both kind of injured and took some time off. Plus we were having our wedding in Vegas. So that was like end of January. So I realized I wasn't going as often. And so I was going to cancel my membership, but then Scott and I were at the Cherry Creek mall, which is a, like a more of a luxury mall in Denver. And we knew there was a Peloton store and it's next to the Tiffany store. And I wanted to get my ring cleaned. So I was getting my ring clean. We went in and we tested it out and we ended up buying the bike. Uh, because it just, we, 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 Scott really wanted one and I didn't really know much about Peloton. And so we got the bike and I, it sat, I didn't use it as often as I should have. And then once I realized, oh, like to hit those milestones, you can stack the rides and like, you don't have to always do a 45 minute ride. It doesn't always have to be live. Once I kind of figured that out, I got very into it. And then moving to San Diego, I was invited to be part of this group of, uh, we're called the 5am crew. I don't ride at 5am and I'm also the youngest person in this group. And so I got invited to do that because they all lived in San Diego. And so I already had like friends coming in. So it would just kind of like help me bridge that gap because the thing about Peloton that makes it unique is it's the, it's the, it's the subculture of it. Like you have a Peloton bike, but you can find a tribe. Like, do you like to craft? Okay. There's a group. Do you like dogs? There's a group. Do you like wine? There's a group. Do you like cocktails? There's a group, uh, food group. And so I'm in all sorts of different subgroups for it. And so I'm taking uh, the same page from my playbook and I joined the Hawaii group. So for 808 Peloton riders, cause I'm moving to Hawaii. So it's like, I know that I, if I can find Peloton, we have common ground. At least we like the same things or at least exercise wise. And so, uh, so I've had the bike since March of 2018 and we just celebrated three years with the bike. And it's honestly, if you enjoy spin class, it's great. I love spin. Like that was my favorite workout pre pandemic. I loved going to like soul cycle or flywheel. We lived above a flywheel and cycle bar. So I've always loved spin and spin class, but I've always like kind of, I don't, I don't like going, I didn't like going to the gym because I didn't like people looking at me. Like I'm like, I don't want the imposter syndrome. I don't want them to look at me and think I'm doing it wrong. So that eliminates that. So you can just sweat it out and no one's watching. It's great. And so I've had the bike for three years now. I've, I just hit 1800 rides. I'm trying to hit 2000 by the end of May when Scott gets back. And I think I'll hit it. Cause I, I'll do like a warm up and then I'll do a couple of rides and I'll stack them. And then, so I, I do about a minimum five rides a day anyway. So I'm going to hit that for sure. Cause I set stupid goals for myself. So I'm like 2000 before you pack it away. So yes, I love the bike. It's incredible. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, and uh, if you have the option to get one, the other thing I'll say is that you can interest refinance it um, for 36 or 39 months and uh, the maintenance on it, they always come and repair it. And I've only had maintenance done on it once and it was not even because it was an issue with the bike. It was just the bearings made a noise and they were like, we'll just replace all of the parts inside of it for you while we're here. I was like, okay. And that was like six months ago. So I've had it for what, three years and I've only had one thing of maintenance done with it. It's great. Wow. Do you work for Peloton? It sounds like you're, you're giving a pretty good sell here. <laughs> if they, if they open a store on Oahu where I'm moving to for the military, uh, 1000% I could sell the bikes in my sleep. Like they are amazing. And when they opened a San Diego store, if I had not been working, uh, at my job that I was at, I would have worked there because I could sell that bike in my sleep. <laughs> I 
and it, it, it sounds like I'm in a call. It sounds crazy, but I'm, I'm telling you, it's like the instructors are amazing. They're motivating. It's an inclusive company that cares about really great things, like um, put a lot of money towards Black Lives Matter, put a lot of money towards helping the LGBTQ community, like really care about social issues. And then they also have like apparel. So I'm wearing the necklace. This is from a different company. It says Nowhere Riders Club. And then it says Century, but this is a from a company in Hawaii called uh, Project X. But it's just a crazy culture. Um, and I'm happy to be part of it because when the pandemic happened, like if I hadn't have had the bike, I don't know what I would have done because it's such a release. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Um, I think it's really cool as well because I've always found the name really funny. So I'm from this place called Gibraltar, which is mm -hmm. like, if you've ever heard of it, it's like a British territory, but it's at the very bottom of Spain. It's kind of weird. There's a lot of history there, mm -hmm. but um, like, so I know, like, I speak both English and Spanish. Um, and to me, the word peloton, I know it means actually, like, platoon in Spanish, but it sounds a lot like the word pelota, which, like, <laughs> we used to say, like, nude. So, <laughs> so I've always found the name, like, quite, quite funny. I, like... That's when someone funny. says peloton, I, I think of someone who's like, you know, like on a bike in the nude. Like, I don't know why, but that's um. hilarious. I'm sure there's a group for that. I'm sure there's people who ride nude. I would never, ew. But, but you know, the, the, well, peloton, when you think about professional cycling, a peloton is the pack together. So that's why they named it peloton. Uh, I guess, so I, I guess that's what, I don't quote, don't quote me on that, but I think that's why they named it that. And then, um, the, the whole concept, I mean, I, I listened to a podcast where the person who started it, like talked about it, like you, they had to think this guy was batshit crazy because like, this was before, like we knew what was going to happen and, and, and he couldn't get investors. And then like people, he beat people to the punch and then soul cycle, like soul cycle laughed in his face and other companies were like, no. And now they all have bikes. It's like, okay, well you, you, you can't, you're last to the race, but thanks. Um, but no, there. And then like people also will try to cut corners on it. They'll be like, oh, like it's it's the same thing if I do the app and I'm a purist and I'm going to tell you it's not the same thing. It, yes, it's similar. You still get the vibe, but it's not the same as actually being on that bike, having the screen, doing the high fives, all of that, because you don't have all of the features with just the app itself. So I think it's you need to have the bike is my personal opinion. <laughs> wow. That's some, um, some, some, some good advice. Um, well, Bianca, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. You're such a great conversationalist and really entertaining as well. Um, just before we wrap up, I wanted to ask, you know, having so much experience in, in marketing and running your own podcast, um, looking back at yourself, you know, in your earlier twenties, is there any salient like advice that you'd give yourself knowing what you know now? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I've been asked this question a few times and the answer at first, it was hard for me to answer this, but now I know what my answer is always. If I could go back in time, I would tell my younger self that like you will, you'll attract more people when you're yourself and if, don't try to fit in with other people. But 
I would not have gotten the things I would have gotten and done the things I would have done. I would, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't change a single thing because it's led me to where I needed to be. Uh, I met my husband, you know, like, like those things wouldn't have happened had I done things differently. I don't know where I'd be right now. So my advice to myself would be be yourself, but also you have to go through what you need to go through because in your thirties, you're going to have a great life. <laughs> like you're going to feel way better. So just keep on sucking in your twenties. <laughs> That's awesome. That's some great advice. Um, well, thank you so much, Bianca. Um, and yeah. if you know, if people want to hear more about you, they want to get in touch with you know with yourself or listen to your podcast. Like, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So um, my website for my podcast. So my podcast is called Please Don't Kick Me Out. Um, it is a podcast about imposter syndrome, as I've mentioned. Um, and thank you so much again for having me. You can go to www.pleasedontkickmeout.com. We're on Instagram at Please Don't Kick Me Out. We are on Facebook at PDKMO Podcast. We're on Gmail. You can drop me a line on the website. We I just got new merch. I have merch. It's amazing. I'm a child of the 90s. It's all 90s themed. My designer, Lara, is incredible. Um, and yeah, so I my, my episodes release every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time because I'm on the west or on the west coast in California. So that they can just find me wherever you get your podcasts as well. So yeah, just go to my website if you want to get in touch with me and that's where I am. <laughs> awesome. Well, there you have it folks. If you're interested in hearing more from Bianca, please check out please don't kick me out. Um I'll leave some links in the episode description and I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the show. In Your Element is proudly brought to you by a single dude from his London apartment. This show does not have social media. I'm not going to ask that you leave a rating or a follow. Instead, I'd love to see you coming back just because you're seeking something different, are genuinely curious, and are looking for ways to really find and live in your element, just as I am. As always, keep being you. Keep crushing life and keep finding your element. I'll see you in the next one.